Hello and welcome to a special Channel 33 podcast. My name is Ben Lindbergh and I'm a writer for TheRinger.com. And on the other line, putting some plutonium in his mental multi-tool as he's about to start mining for insights, is my fellow Ringer writer, Jason Concepcion. Hey, Jason. Uh, Thank you for having me here. I've just been uh, naming various animals and plants uh, throughout the galaxy. So what we are talking about is this is the first, but hopefully not the last Ringer episode about a video game. We thought the occasion called for it. So we've convened today to discuss No Man's Sky, the most anticipated game of this year, or really any recent year, which came out for PS4 and PC this week. Earlier this week, I spoke to Sean Murray, the creator of No Man's Sky. So Later in this episode, you'll hear a condensed version of my conversation with him. But before we get to that, we want to discuss our own week one impressions of this game. And I wrote something about it for our website, so I've sunk some significant time into this thing. And you had to do some real-life, non-isotope-powered traveling this week. So (laughs) you're not quite as far in, but I'm not sure that my extra playtime has actually allowed me to see anything you haven't seen, which is... Possibly part of a problem that we yeah. might be about to talk about, but I thought we could frame the discussion this way because I think the most important predictor of how you feel about No Man's Sky today is probably how you felt about No Man's Sky a week ago before it came yeah. out because this is one of those games that gets judged based on sky-high, probably unrealistic expectations for what it would be. So what was your level of hype for this game on a scale of bitter xbox fanboy to <laughs> sending death threats to the developer when the game got delayed my level of hype for this game was this is the only reason that i own a ps4 essentially wow okay I mean, this this and last of us i mean that's just without, below death threat i know without those two games i would not have i would not own the console as soon as i saw the 2014 trailer uh-huh. i was like yeah I, I have to get a ps4 and be ready for this game at the same time you know it's like you look at what was promised and you watch the trailer several hundred times and it's I came into it knowing that there's no way that there, it could possibly deliver on everything that you expect. Infinity is kind of a hard thing to live up to. Right. Yeah. I, I, I never really, my anticipation level never really rose above intrigued. I think <laughs> I'm a sci-fi fan. So this game is very much up my alley and the premise was impressive, but I just never really had a solid pre-release sense of what playing the game would actually involve. So I just reserved judgment, a a novel concept on the internet. I know reserving judgment, but that was the question everyone had going back to the first teaser was just what would No Man's Sky be and what would it be like to play it? And I never really had a handle on that until I actually played it. So I hoped for the best, but had no really high expectations. And by the way, not that the the death threat is ever really the right move, no. but the <laughs> but the game delay death threat is probably the most puzzling kind. Like aside from the fact that it's a video game, so relax. It's just logically inconsistent. Like I'm yeah. I'm so mad that you didn't deliver the game on time yeah. that I'm going to prevent you from ever finishing the game, and I'll never yeah. get to play it because you'll be dead. Question: Has your playing the game at all answered any of your questions about what the game is about that you had previous <laughs> to playing the game? <laughs> I have a better idea than I did before I had my hands on it. I still have questions about whether there is enough game in the game to keep me playing it for as long as it's designed to be played. And I will say that I don't 
consider this like a Peter Molyneux situation. Like right. I don't, I think Hello Games gave us the product they promised. Basically, I don't feel misled. I don't feel hoodwinked by the trailers and the teasers and the presentations. Like this is the game that we saw and that we got excited about and the things that we got excited about you can actually do in this game. It's just all the other stuff surrounding those really eye-catching mechanics doesn't quite hold up. What so what are the things that you really that you enjoy about this before we before we really go in on it on its endless infinite uh mining possibilities and complete lack of pocket space? What <laughs> what are what do you enjoy about this game? Well, just going back to the very first time we all saw No Man's Sky at VGX in 2013, it was like a minute-long video, and it was just, you know, walking underwater, and then walking on land, and then getting in your spaceship, and then taking off and flying into space. And no loading times, no barriers, no invisible walls, no skybox, nothing. And that was all it took to get us super hyped about this game. And I think it's as cool in practice as it was three years ago watching it on the screen. It's just a unique experience, I think, to be able to traverse all of these different landscapes and to go from one to the other seamlessly. And really, there's just no loading time ever except some kind of cleverly camouflaged ones, I guess, when you go from one solar system to the next, or maybe when you enter a space station, there's kind of a, a set animation you see, which you know, makes sense kind of as an in-universe thing and also allows them to to load that environment. But that's it. Like, there's almost never a time when I feel like I should stop playing because it's just this seamless experience and the scale of it is something I've never really encountered in a video game before. Yeah, I agree. I mean, just traveling between solar systems, between planets, uh, kind of plying the meteorite fields mm-hmm. on the outskirts of a of a atmosphere and then diving into the atmosphere and flying around looking for uh different markers on the landscape it's it's incredible i mean it's a it's a mind-boggling vastness of this game um is an achievement into itself i I think that it's an engineering marvel it's a little it feels to me a little like and i said this to you in email like it feels a little to me like if you owned an ipad in 1960 you can tell that this is amazing, but you really can't do anything. There's not much you can do with it. Um, it's essentially the gameplay is, I would describe it as Minecraft without the crafting. It's just a lot of harvesting of materials and trying to figure out if you can carry stuff and then kind of a very simplistic crafting system to make you know different shields and different kind of fabrics and different um, uh, things, that, different fuels and that's kind of the break on the progression system that they use to, to kind of keep you from realizing that it's really not much to do except explore. But the exploring part is so intriguing that I think, I mean, I would suggest that people buy this game if they were intrigued at all by it, but they should yes. be aware that I'm not sure that there's anything to do beyond mining stuff. <laughs> right, which is a significant drawback, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, I I agree. I mean, there is a lot of you know rote tasks. There's a lot of just sort of grinding and farming that goes into this game, and it's not all that interesting. You are, I mean, it's very quickly the game's goals just shrink, and even though the horizons of the game are just limitless, your own 
horizons as a player just kind of, you know, come inward very quickly because yeah. there is a goal getting to the center of the universe. I've been playing for dozens of hours and I honestly don't know if I'm any closer to that goal than I was when I started because there are these multiple options. You can do this atlas path where you're just trying to follow the instructions of this mysterious floating omniscient orb and you kind of follow it from one installation to the next and I've been doing that for a while and I don't know where that's getting me and <laughs> it seems to be taking me farther away from the center of the galaxy. So you can try to jump toward the center of the galaxy. If you do that, if you focus on nothing else, it will still take you a long time to achieve that goal. And I don't know what the end game is because I haven't seen it. So you end up focusing on these very short-term, small-scale goals like upgrading your shield or you know, being able to stay outside in the elements for longer without having to die or replenish your supplies or upgrading your ship. And that stuff can be kind of satisfying for a while, but there does come a point at which you wonder what it's all for. And because there's so much to explore, because you can never hope to see even a tiny fraction of all the worlds that are out there, all the creatures, all the flora and fauna that you can discover... I reached a point pretty quickly where if something was way out of my way, I just wasn't going to go there because yeah. why go there? You know, yeah. They're like I yeah. can't, I can't cross everything off my list. I can't get to a hundred percent complete. So I might as well just skip the stuff that's not within reach. And that's sort of a shame. Yeah. I think the core, the core dissonance uh, that keeps this game really from being a transcendent experience is, is the infinite possibilities of and the, the large scale, you know, really true vastness of the game world uh, versus the fact that, I mean, you, I think you start with six slots in your suit for carrying stuff and you, you know, upgrade that relatively quickly to, you know, 10 or 12. But it's the way they designed the slots so that you can't, you know, your, your various perks and upgrades for your uh, existing equipment they take up slots if you're completely full up you there's a lot of things you can't you can't interact with aliens you can't uh, you know moving stuff around and stacking similar materials is not it's not a seamless it's not a seamless activity there's a lot of I, I think getting hung up on the menu screens really for me is is the kind of like poorly designed menu screens is really mm -hmm. it's it's a big problem for me and like just today um, for the first time I went on reddit I've been trying to kind of not taken any information about the game but just for the first time i went and read it and just to see what people are, are saying and i found this thread that was like uh helpful mechanics about no man's sky that are not explained at all i think that's actually the title and it's just all these like <laughs> things that i had no idea like you can pin recipes for uh you know different crafting recipes to the bottom of your screen so you could actually see what you need to look for instead of like toggling your menu all the time Oh, there is uh I didn't know that yep <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's like ways to uh there's different ways to create waypoints there's different ways to stack and transfer um items which i'm still not quite sure how to do there's a cockpit view there's just all there's all manner of mechanics in this game that that are not explained to you whatsoever when you start um <laughs> And I think that's part of like the difficulty in me trying to figure out like what this game really is. Like I feel like you know like the first patch in the in the verbiage for the first patch, there's like stuff about you know trade ships and you're going to be able to build bases. So I'm not sure like how much more there really 
is and it feels like there should be more but i just don't know if i can't find it yeah i mean it's a hard problem to solve because the yeah. universe is so enormous it's like you know they they sort of zoomed out to encompass this entire vast universe and so in zooming out and in being able to contain all of that space you kind of lose some detail it's like you're you know taking a picture of something from very far away and you you can't see the fine print anymore and so all of these little details just feel not fully fleshed out like combat is pretty yeah. rudimentary you know whether you're in your ship or you're on the ground it's point and shoot there's no real subtlety to it there's not much strategy to it it's just kind of have you upgraded your gun and your shield enough to survive whatever's attacking you and it's just kind of you know like the interactions with npcs are yeah occasionally interesting but you know i've noticed some repetition already and it's just purely text-based no one ever moves or changes so the universe just feels static in some ways i mean it feels alive in other ways like you, you know if you land on a planet and it's one of the planets that's just teeming with life and there's changing weather and there's a day-night cycle. I mean, it, it feels like a living world, but there's just, you know, like even if there are animals roving around, they're just wandering around aimlessly. There isn't really anything you can do with or to them except feed them and kill them. And so, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just like, I think, and I don't know that Again, like it's not that they messed up even, I don't think, or, or that like it's just that they didn't have the resources because it's a small indie developer. I mean, if, if Sean Murray were still at EA where he started out and he had some massive team of hundreds of people working on this game, I don't know that that would make an appreciable difference. If you had everyone in the world yeah. designing content for this game, it would be hard to fill the sheer amount of space that is out there. So... I don't know. I think you're right. It it feels ahead of its time. It feels like their ability to create space kind of outstripped their ability to fill that space with yeah. interesting activities and attractions, and that holds it back a bit. I've, I've been thinking about Destiny and the and the kind of yes year, year one release of Destiny, and that's Bungie is a company with probably uh, like. 4,000% more workers than, than Hello Games. I think there's 14 people that work at Hello Games. And the title before No Man's Sky was, you know, like a side-scrolling uh, motorbike game. Right. So this is, you know, like the, the, the jump in ambition is really as infinite as the game itself. But it's the same kind of, these, these are the same kind of issues that, that Destiny had, but Destiny has like this this core feedback loop of gameplay that's, you know, shooter gameplay, move, aim, shoot, repeat. Whereas No Man's Sky's feedback loop, like if you had to had to kind of distill it down to the to the core gameplay, it's find materials, craft some kind of fuel that lets you travel outside of the solar system, travel to that solar system, replenish those materials so you can do that again and then repeat. And then that is a that is a very large feedback loop. Um, so it's kind of you just, just can feel aimless. And and much like Destiny, the game uses the same kind of uh, breaks on progression to keep you from real. You know, it feels like almost like a cheap way to keep you from realizing that it's a very empty. Um, it's a very empty world. Destiny used a lot of grinding and a lot of uh, currencies, 
currencies stacked upon currencies, having to transfer them to each other. No Man's Sky doesn't do that. It just kind of like slows you down with vastness. That said, I like this game. Like I like when I'm not playing and I want to play it. Yep, I feel the same way. I I have settled into this routine. I, I thought the game was great for the first few hours when you really have these concrete goals. You're repairing your ship. You're trying to get a hyperdrive. You're trying to get fuel for it. You're trying to escape the solar system. And that was great. If they could somehow have just kept scaling those goals the whole yeah. way, I would have loved this game. And as it is, I settled into this routine pretty quickly where, you know, I jump to a new system and I visit this space station and I buy and sell some stuff. And then I check out one or two landmarks and I just kind of move on very quickly. You just sort of skim the interesting stuff off the top of that solar system and then you move on to the next and then you start repeating it. And it is very repetitive. And yet, while I'm playing, like... I'm not bored. I'm not, I, right. I kind of question why I'm continuing to play, but I still want to play. And when I'm not playing, I wish I were playing, as you said. So just on the core, like that's not a super intellectual argument for why this game is worth your time, but it's fun. I, I, I want to play the game. So you might want to play the game too. So I, I would recommend that people check this out, if only just for those initial mind-bending yeah. moments when you point your cursor at something you can see and then it tells you that at the default walking or flying speed it will take you hours or literally days to get there that in itself i think was worth the price of admission for me and some of the mechanics that we talked about were worth it too and and it is fun and you know i think that destiny the initial lack of content in destiny was yeah. probably less forgivable just because the scope of destiny was not nearly as grand as right. no man's sky it just seemed like there should have been a lot more content on day one in that game but i wouldn't be shocked i guess if this game followed a, a similar progression and i talked to sean later in this episode about how long he can envision himself working on this game but i kind of had two questions for you and the first is whether this is fixable and by fixable i mean is it possible to get it to a point where it is actually fulfilling the expectations that the most enthusiastic people had for it and we've seen games go from unplayable to playable we've seen games go from good to great like every game at this point is the life of Pablo basically and every developer <laughs> can just be like I'm a fix wolves and then right. the the patch or the expansion comes out and sometimes it makes a real improvement so is there anything that this game could do do you think building on the really impressive technical core it has to flesh that out with something that would really keep you hooked in the long run yeah, I think if they can get the trading system and the base building system up and running and then also kind of graft some sort of rudimentary multiplayer on top of it, not not any kind of combat thing, but something where you could at least see players that are, you know, some reasonable amount of light years from where you are. Uh -huh. um, there's just so many people playing. I find it hard to believe that you couldn't at least – you couldn't implement that in some way that's workable where you could say, oh, look, there's someone – you know, 15 parsecs from you, um, do you want to trade with them? Do right. you want to meet on a world? Um, or having kind of like base worlds where a marketplace, you know, a vast marketplace where players can go and trade stuff with each other. Um, I think that 
that would go a long way towards making you know improving the game's replayability um, beyond just having an infinite sandbox where you can just go look at rats and alien squirrels. <laughs> right. And there's a certain percentage of people, I think, who would probably be perfectly happy playing this game forever as it is. Like yeah. the people who were perfectly happy playing Destiny for hundreds of hours when I just tired of it initially until some of the expansions yeah. came out. If I were uh, a kid with a summer vacation and I was looking for something to fill that time, I would be really happy to have No Man's Sky. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so it depends, you know, what other entertainment options it's competing with. And I, I guess my other question for you is whether you can think of any other applications for this technology that would produce a game that you'd be excited to play. Sean says later in this episode that, you know, when he lands on a planet and he sees it sort of generate itself, he has all of these ideas about ways that he could make new games with this technology as a base. And, you know, I don't know, maybe maybe there is a way in which the creating an entire universe is one way to, to use procedural generation, but not the only way. Maybe there's some other kind of game that could function really well with this technology as its base. Yeah, I think that, like, when I think about the possibilities, I get, I get really excited. I don't know how, you know, I don't know how, how attainable this stuff is in the short term. But, you know, if you think about something like uh, Warcraft, but in a universe uh -huh. where, you know, what if I could claim an entire planet, set the rules on the planet, you know, uh, create missions for other players on the planet, scale, you know, scale economies up to that kind of universe size. I think that's the future of this technology at some point is, is a just a kind of massive, one of those MMO. RPGs, but on a universe scale, that would be really cool. I don't know how close we are to that, but I think that would be just incredible. Yeah, I'd kind of like to see it just, it's just kind of, you know, every every type of game we have, but bigger. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, just, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of, like, I've always been interested in games where you can just have a battle with an enormous number of either people or NPCs or a yeah. mix of the two, like... You know, maybe some of the Dynasty Warriors games where there's just a very crowded battlefield or something like Planetside 2 where there were over a thousand people playing in a oh, single yeah. battle at one point. Or that game Mag for PS3 where I think they, they set a console record with like 256 players, something like that. Like with this technology, I assume you could just create a battle that really feels like a battle. Like you are just a a very small part of, you know, maybe you are taking control maybe you are just a random grunt in this giant battle that you can't really control the tide of except for your small contribution to it i'd like to play something like that so yeah that's what came to mind for me but you know i i assume that this game will make its mark and you know it it might not out of the gate be everything that people want it to be i still hold out some hope that a year, two years down the road, it will have gotten to a point where it really does fulfill all of its promise. But even if it never gets there, I would think that just the experience of playing it and some of those memorable moments that, you know, at least on an individual minute by minute basis are probably more exciting than anything else you'll play this year yep. will, you know, inspire people to create something else that does something similar, but maybe 
fixes the flaws. This is kind of a, a first-generation product, and those always have problems that get corrected down the road. More Star Wars cantinas. That's what this game's like. <laughs> if you could just do that, find me like a dangerous bar on every single planet, dangerous alien bar where bad things happen, and I can, you know, and it's not just this kind of like placid, you know, 19th century uh, Darwinism going and looking at plants and naming them thing. <laughs> Give me a sense of danger, Sean Murray. Yeah, there's not a there's not much of a sense of danger in this game. I've I've died a few times. It's usually when I just did something dumb. Yeah, there's occasional glitching. I don't know how much you've encountered. I've my game has crashed a few times. There was yeah, one time same. when I. Like, my ship got stuck to a big pillar of some element, and when I tried to boost away from it, it just killed me. And so weird things like that have happened from time to time. But in the course of normal events, you don't really feel threatened. You know, your your life support meters are going down very, very slowly, and maybe there's a random encounter with a starship every now and then, or there's some animal that attacks you, but you can usually escape those things or fight back pretty easily so that is another thing that just kind of you know lowers the stakes and and just makes it all about crafting and upgrading with no real concrete goal in mind and yet it's it's enjoyable yes <laughs> yeah play i feel it. like we have yeah. to keep restating that because <laughs> it's like yeah it's, play it for sure if you if you have any interest in space space exploration if you like sci-fi if you like video games in general and want to play something that's really I feel like is going to be a landmark title, certainly in console gaming. I think you should you should play it. Agreed. Okay, so we have procedurally generated a podcast. It was <laughs> nice to talk to you, and nice to uh, see you. we will continue to share our exploits in the vast reaches of the No Man's Sky universe. And now you can stay tuned to listen to me talking to Sean Murray on PS4 launch day earlier this week. It's a bit of a crazy day, um, yeah. but yeah, good to chat to you. Yeah, have you shaved, or are you still letting the development beard grow? No, I'm letting it grow. Uh, we're not done yet. <laughs> We've still got PC to come out on Friday, and then I reckon I'm done. I can. Um... So that'll be it. You'll have a ritual shaving after the yeah. the final release. Yeah, exactly. There's an element of it that's just like you know, crunch beard kind of thing. Yeah, like development beard. But there's an element where it's also like. It's a bit of a disguise, you know, I can, uh, I don't like doing, you know, all the kind of public things. Um, right. So I could just like shave my beard and, you know, return to some sort of anonymity. Yeah. Where I would feel a lot more comfortable. You, know, you should auction it off, the, the No Man's Sky beard. <laughs> oh, Nobody would want that. <laughs> someone would. I bet someone would. <laughs> so what are you sort of watching as this first day unspools? I, I saw your tweets about the number of discoveries. So what are you kind of tracking in real time now that people actually have their hands on this thing? Oh, it's insane. Just the things that people name stuff. I mean, that at first, you know, the first hour or so, that was fun. You could just see, you know, names pop up or whatever. But that is now like it is just scrolling past such a ridiculous <laughs> rate. You yeah. Know? And like we thought it was kind of <laughs> we've had an odd day where we thought, 
okay, the servers are just about taking care of everything. And then we realized that, of course, it's only out in the States right now. Uh-huh. And so <laughs> all of you guys just started waking up in the morning and just the numbers have just climbed and climbed. So right. like I was tweeting that like in the last hour, we had gone up to like a million discoveries in an hour. And that's growing, like, I guess, as the US is waking up. So like we're just about to pass nine million and uh, I was looking up like nine million creatures discovered. It's mm-hmm. like that is more. I think it's eight point seven million is the number of creatures discovered on Earth. Um, so, <laughs> so it like, took you half a day of insane. one region and <laughs> yeah. one platform to surpass yeah. all of yeah, yeah. actual history. Well, well, it's like you know, if all of this is the thing I was joking about, which is like if gamers, you know, would just get rewards presumably for finding new types of insect in the real world you know, and trophies and things like that, that we'd probably have found far more. Right? Yeah, well, Pokemon Go is the closest we've <laughs> yeah, come, exactly. I guess. exactly. <laughs> so the one thing that I've kind of experienced through my first day or so of immersing myself mm-hmm. in the game is that, you know, there's obviously this urge to explore and there's this sense of wonder at how huge everything is. And at the same time, I almost find myself looking at an undiscovered planet and saying, well, I, I could go discover that planet, but... I'm never going to get to all of them, so I'm going to have to skip some. So right. there's this kind of constant tension between I, I could explore everything, and mm. yet however much I explore, it will only make a tiny dent in all of the right. stuff I could possibly explore. So it's a little bit different from a game where you can kind of you know open the menu and see your progress complete, and you know that you can see 100% of everything if you want to, and you can check yeah. off every box, and this is different. So... How have you managed that? How have you tried to build in systems that will keep people coming, even though they know that, you know, there's no way that they're going to get to everything? I have two answers for you, right? Okay. Uh, And one of those answers is like, okay, so there's a whole bunch of systems at play for that. So there is a, like a kind of a standard goal, which is, you know, get to the center of the universe, you Mm -hmm. know, and try and make that journey as quickly as possible. And on your way, you upgrade your ship and your suit and your weapons, you know, kind of standard RPG stuff to allow you to make that journey like faster and allow you to go further, right? And as you make that journey, you'll find that more and more cool tech is available, you know, closer to the center, but also resources become much more plentiful. Um, And so there's kind of these standard like rules and I can kind of reassure you there's like this more linear path and we have those journey milestones which you carry with you we have your ship and your suit which we see people kind of forming like an ownership of and they kind of tailor them to the character that they want to be you know and like I can break it down in a way that makes people feel a bit more reassured and they're like yeah I can understand those things I'm used to those things in other games but there's part of me a probably a bigger part of me that's like Actually, you look at what people are playing a lot of today. You look at the Steam charts, and in the top 10 of the Steam charts, there will always be three or four games that are like completely open survival sandboxes, you know, things like Subnautica, things like Grab, things like Stranded Deep, or, you know, Don't Starve, or Minecraft, or whatever, right? And they're games where you set your own objectives. And when I talk to people who have grown up with a lot of those games, kids or whatever, have grown up with Minecraft, 
instead of Mario, you know? Yeah. They often won't have those questions. They won't say, where's my trophies or my leaderboard or my, you know, more linear progression or where's the story mode or whatever it is, you know? Will there be missions or quests there instead? Just like, and we can see it in Twitch all today. People enjoying the game in that way, making their own objectives, you know, deciding to be a trader or a fighter or an explorer, you know, and deciding like, like you were saying, you will never be able to complete the game, but they are used to playing games that you will never be able to complete. You know, they are used to being in Minecraft and knowing that they can never just visit every single thing in Minecraft or mine every single thing or whatever. And they're okay with that because they're going to play in that space and enjoy it. And some people do just go and make their own objective and kind of play in that way and define themselves and decide to actually not travel that far, but just play for 10 hours just trying to buy a new ship or something like that. Right. And there are other people who are just obsessed with like getting to the next waypoint and doing the next thing. And it's something we've, I'm talking about a lot, but it's something we've thought about so much during this game. I'm sure. And it's yeah. kind of one of the like themes of the game. You know, like, I'm actually really happy when people say to me, like, oh, I was playing your game and I just felt really overwhelmed by it, you know, and into the galactic map and kind of thought, if I can only explore one planet, then there are all of these planets, like, you know, I'm daunted by that, right. you know, and I like that because that's cool. You've never had that in a video game before. Like, yeah, it's really interesting if nothing else, right? Yeah, it's almost a, a tangible sense as I'm playing it. There's this sort of sense of exhilaration. I could go anywhere, I could do anything. And then yeah. there's almost this oppressiveness of it's so huge. And, you know, it's yeah. the, the same sort of feeling you might get kind of, you know, looking through a telescope at something and realizing how tiny you are compared to everything that's actually out there. So it's both at the same time. <laughs> so cool that you just said that. Uh, we didn't sit down when we made this game to try and make like the perfect game, you know, or to make the game that you can play forever, right? Mm -hmm. uh, actually, we talked about like emotions that we wanted you to have. And one of those emotions was feeling just for a minute of being somewhere and knowing that no one else had been there before, mm -hmm. right? Because that's like... Video games can give that to you, like a book or a film never could, because obviously it's like everyone consumes the exact same thing, but like video games are interactive. So theoretically, right, you could go somewhere and no one could have been there before. You know, exploration is a thing you could do in a video game, but you never do because like everything you see has been built by somebody and everyone else is playing the same thing. So we, that was a big thing. And then the other thing that we talked about was just feeling of the overwhelming huge space like it's like wow how small am i you know right those kind of things are way more important to me you know if we do that for people for like you know one minute and i've had so many messages about that today from people who often don't normally play games or from people who are playing no man's sky and never expected to feel that and it's really nice to see that resonating you know but I've had weird emails today where people are like, you know, practically just mailing me, asking me what the meaning of life is. You know? <laughs> uh -huh. And from a technical perspective, you mentioned the servers and, you know, we've seen so many games, player versus player games and MMOs and everything that have had issues early on just because of how many people are playing mm -hmm. them. And, you know, this is different in that, I mean, the scale of it is even more massive and yet... Maybe there are fewer complications in, in that sense and in, in that, you know, it's very unlikely for 
players to run into each other in this universe. It's not really a traditional multiplayer game. So is there more of a strain than there normally would be with an online game or, or less of one? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're definitely, we always try and be clear to not go into this looking for a traditional multiplayer experience. Or in fact, to just go into it expecting a solo, like lone astronaut at the edge of space experience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have some Easter eggs and some cool online functionality that we hope gives people and will give people some really nice moments, you know, as they play the game. We're guessing because we don't know how much people are going to play and how far they're going to explore and what way they're going to explore. They're going to you know be attracted to where other people have been or are they going to like just set out into their own space kind of thing mm -hmm. but today's been crazy we estimated for a reasonable amount of people playing like what we felt was a large amount of people playing and we estimated for a level of you know posting discoveries and things where we thought well, not everyone will do it. You know, they'll do it a little bit and then they might not after that. Um, we're probably quite naive because it's been pretty crazy. Like we had a a database set aside that should have lasted us for like a lifetime and we burnt through that today. <laughs> we had to migrate to new servers and stuff. So it's been pretty insane. But I'm super proud of the team. Like you said, most games, anything like this would have server problems day one and you would expect that with a bunch of like idiots like us running it this really small team that we would have had the place on fire or something today so where normally you would have maybe 20 network engineers working on a game we've got one guy <laughs> right this was all on him today uh -huh. <laughs> So the, the sense of scale is really incredible when you start playing and you, you know, you point your ship towards something and you see that it's going to take you two hours to get there. And, and then, you know, you, uh, there are all these different modes of transportation. So you start off walking and then you sprint and then you take your ship and then you can boost in the ship and then you can go to hyperspeed. And, you know, it's, it's kind of this nice progression. And I'm, I'm wondering if there are any sort of existing properties you tried to, drawn or, or channel you know in conveying that sense of scale yeah it's it's a really strange one like i actually think those various types of speed that you can go at are sort of misleading you know because uh, and we were torn on this for a while like we want it to be an entertaining experience mm -hmm. and a really nice like gameplay experience but the reality is like when you move that fast it betrays how enormous the kind of universe that we've built is like how far apart planets can be you know and things like that and we actually had much more realistic distances between planets uh -huh. actually from a gameplay point of view it's almost untenable you know and we had more realistic speeds and from a, again from a gameplay point of view it's kind of it could be quite a slow process to fly between two planets at realistic speed of light speeds you know mm -hmm. And so we've actually kind of taken our own little science fiction route and a kind of a Star Trek route, you know, mm -hmm. where generally everything's, you know, it's quite easy to kind of go from one planet, you know, to be stood on a planet to flying to another planet that you can see on the horizon, you know, or another moon takes moments, right? Mm -hmm. And it's nice, but I think for us making the game, we're fully aware of the actual distances involved that actually... 
you know, you as a little player, you were walking around in a few hundred meters squared and you fly out into space. And when you look back down, that whole play area that you were on is like, is less than a pixel. Um, And you could have been playing down there for like an hour or two, you know, and like that is, you know, you were saying you get this real feeling of scale, but I don't think we ever let the player fully appreciate it the way we do when we're making it, Uh you know. And then when you come like out into space, you're dealing with, you know, hundreds of thousands of kilometers squared, you know, and then coming out to the galactic map, you're dealing with light years. And it's, it's really like, we obviously have, I guess, our ability as developers to kind of go in and debug problems and things like that. And so we get a much greater sense of the actual scale of things, mm-hmm. which I think we sort of try and hide from you as a player, mm-hmm. like to give you lots of those different modes of transport. So it's actually quite easy to get around, you mm-hmm. know, but like, I think my favorite moments are when it comes home to people, like you were saying, when you are stood on a planet and you perhaps activate a beacon and it tells you that there's a waypoint, perhaps a like an alien has been discovered, an alien life form or something like that. I love that moment when you look at that waypoint and it happens every now and then and it's, you know, like six days away or something <laughs> like that, you right. know, and people's faces when I do that, like when they see that, as I've watched play testers and they will turn around to you and they'll say like, I think I've, you know, I think I found a bug, you know, <laughs> there's a bug with your game is saying it's six days away, you know, I think that's, you know, there's just something really awesome about that. Yeah. And so, you know, you mentioned just now having to balance the realism and the gameplay, and I'm sure you guys didn't start out as experts in physics and astrophysics and how a universe works. So what kind of sort of scientific resources did you draw on? Did you have consultants who would tell you how these things would actually look or would actually work, you know, so that you could avoid being the the subject of a Neil deGrasse Tyson tweet about how <laughs> such and such a thing is not actually how it would be? Um, Like, we didn't set out to make, like, a universe simulator, you know what I mean? Like, in terms of we didn't try and simulate our universe, the one, <laughs> the one that I'm currently living in, right? Yeah. You know, that was never the aim. It was to create something that could get you, like, excited about our universe, I suppose, and is kind of exciting from a like a science fiction point of view. Like I went <laughs> and the the kind of pleasure of meeting the mission controller from uh, the ESA, the the European Space Agency. Uh-huh. I was talking to him and I felt so embarrassed, you know, because I was like, oh no, he's gonna like he's gonna pick apart <laughs> the how our ships look or the speed they go at or how quickly. Uh, you know, you enter the atmosphere or how you don't burn up at certain angles and things like that, you know, things we definitely know. And instead, he was just like so happy, you know, playing the game and looking at it and saying, you know, that he had grown up with Star Wars. And like that's what got him into, uh, like it just got him so excited about space. Uh-huh. And he was like, oh, you know, like everyone who works here, they're big science fiction nerds, you know. And it was actually really lovely to hear. And he was saying, you know, it's games like this that get people interested in science or in space or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know. And so we didn't, no, we didn't like consult with, you know, astrophysicists or whatever. (laughs) Uh, We did read up quite a lot. And that's quite a fun 
part of the process, right? And re- like, I really enjoyed kind of reading up about things like erosion and geology and things like that, yeah. you know, and just like getting engrossed in the game. You know, that's all part of the the fun of it, the process of it. But we, we picked things that were things that we could imbue the world with, you know, that would make sense to people. We didn't, we're creating our own fictional universe, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, you know, thus far it, it feels you can walk around and fly around and, and most of the time you're not in any imminent danger of dying. Occasionally you are, but for the most part you aren't. And so, you know, it almost feels as if my inventory is the enemy most of the time is that <laughs> I'm constantly battling to save the things that I want to save and collect all the things I want to collect and, you know, having to make difficult decisions about what I can and can't keep with me. So, how much time and effort did you go into trying to get the right balance there between just, you know, letting people keep everything they come across and not wanting them to feel frustrated and, you know, feel as if they're spending more time in the menu than they are in the game? Yeah, it's an interesting one, actually. I mean, the reality is that for a lot of people or for gamers, they might picture a game like ours and they might think, well, I just want to, I just want to explore right i don't want any constraints on me i don't want anything to get in my way or whatever um and i want to explore like beautiful worlds right but actually we love like survival games and a lot of games if you play like the long dark or something like that you are constantly thinking about what am i carrying with me where did i leave my stuff you know and it kind of grounds you in the world mm-hmm. and that was the reason that we've done that and that's what you carry around with you you carry around that inventory and it becomes meaningful to you it becomes like you know exactly what's in your ship and getting a bigger ship means like a lot to you kind of thing yeah um so it's important that you have to i guess like if you think of it in terms of being stranded on a desert island and suddenly everything you know you have to be very conscious of what are the things i'm going to gather what are the things i'm going to save and stuff like that mm-hmm. um but it is something that we see like hoarders and things like that will really struggle with. They will want to mine and mine and mine, you know. And the reality is that that limited inventory or limiting the inventory gives them a sense of meaning to the things that they collect, mm-hmm. you know, and makes them make choices and stuff. Um, and it also kind of, if you, I don't know if you play many survival games, but normally at the start, you're really fighting up, you're just fighting to survive, mm-hmm. you know. As you get further into the game, your your circle expands in what you're able to do. And it seems almost ludicrous to you that you used to have these problems, right? Yeah. And that's the way that No Man's Sky is. It's a game that, you know, when you're, whatever, 50 hours into it, your problem set is really different, you know, to those first few hours or whatever. So you need to feel some of those bites of, like, challenge, you know, so that you appreciate it later on as some of those challenges are removed kind of thing. And it gives you aims and things. But without without those things and with complete freedom, actually things like your discoveries and where you go and you know, what you buy and things like that, they have no they have no meaning. So it was important for us to provide that challenge for people. And, you know, obviously the the marketing effort was extremely successful. A lot of people were extremely excited about the game and 
that is the goal of a marketing effort is to get people excited and sell some copies. And so by any standard, it worked out very well. But I wonder whether if you could go back to the very beginning of all the publicity when you were first introducing the game to the world, is there anything different you would do? Is there any way in which you would sort of tailor the message differently? Because obviously no one is ever going to be pleased with every aspect of every game someone's always gonna think oh this is different from what i expected that it would be but i wonder whether if you could go back to the beginning is there any different aspect of it you would stress or any different way you would sort of present it than you actually did well i think it's interesting isn't it it would be lovely to like i've never told anyone anything about the game but release it today Uh right like potentially that would be a super cool thing to do right we could like believe in like just the word of mouth would get out people would play it and it does sometimes happen right Mm -hmm. but i would have been feeling you know uh, i was feeling pretty nervous yesterday but (laughs) only feeling very nervous um if i had worked for five years and never showed anyone the game kind of thing you know right like uh, i think that would be a pretty insane thing to do right so the reality is like after two years of working on the game which is a long time more than most people you know manage we worked on the game for two years and we showed like 60 seconds of me playing the game at the vgx's and at the time we thought of it as a pretty niche game but it was, you know, it was like 60 seconds of me walking along a beach, right? And then flying <laughs> into space. Yeah. How, <laughs> like, we could never have predicted that that would be so popular, you know? And so that was the VGXs. And then we got to do E3. And that was a cool moment. It was an amazing moment. And I'd never been to E3, the show. Like, <laughs> never visited E3 before. Super cool to be invited to go on stage there, right, and show a game. And again, it was just me walking, (laughs) you know, through one of our worlds and then flying out into space and flying over another planet. And it was just like five minutes of straight gameplay. But that was, again, incredibly popular, you know. Um, But the reality is, like, it was interesting you said marketing because, like, Sony is definitely behind the game now, especially coming up to launch. But for two years... After we announced, there was no marketing. Right. It, I mean, it sold itself, it, essentially. Well, no, like I just, I stood on stage and I showed it, yeah. you know, uh-huh. and they'd like, Stephen Colbert saw it and asked us to go on his show, you right. know, and again, that was huge for us and you could never turn that down, right? <laughs> it would be a crazy thing to do, like, no. No, Stephen, people are too excited <laughs> about the game. We can't possibly show them more of it. Right. You know, but each time it was just us. Like, just playing the game, just straight playing the game. So, in some ways, it would seem like this, like, people always say this to me, like, it was, you know, such a masterful, like, marketing campaign, but it wasn't. All we did was, like, you know, just walk through some of our worlds. We really, we put way more thought into how we presented our previous games. It's just that they didn't have the same impact. They didn't resonate, you know. We spent way more time making trailers on previous games than we did on this one it's been very simple game to present actually in loads of ways i it always blows me away it's all, if you look back through our trailers it's always just you know 10 minutes of me playing or five minutes of me playing and you know walking around one of our worlds or doing something very you know to me straightforward in one of our worlds mm-hmm. um, but people really liked 
the concept, I guess, and it it resonated. So I can't I can't look back and think anything other than you know maybe we could have just not showed it. Like we certain things we could have just not showed it at, but I can't think you know in in future if I was like if I was to give advice to somebody and somebody was to say oh I'm gonna show my game at E3 do you think I should I'd never say you know no don't do that people might like it too much (laughs) (laughs) I get too excited about it right and I know it was frustrating for you that some people did get their hands on the game before intended and posted those impressions and you know no one wants to see something that they've invested all this time and effort in come out before it's fully ready but i wonder you know how that affected the release how did that affect the day one patch were there any ways in which it actually helped the product that was available on day one to the public um no (laughs) okay (laughs) uh no it's it's heartbreaking to see that you know and people will say like oh there was some you know, this person played and they had a complaint and, you know, that was good for other games because they fixed it. Uh It's like, no, like, by the time the game leaked, we were already, you know, we were four weeks into really arduous task of having worked flat out for, like, five years and then turning around once the game had gone gold and just doing some more on it. You know, it's almost like this massive marathon (laughs) and you finish it and then you start sprinting, you know. So we were already like really deep in like crazy difficult hard work. And uh, for us in that final phases of that, it was horrible to see people just spoiling things that we had kind of kept hidden or hadn't talked about or, you know, even small things that we just didn't feel like it was going to do anyone any good to see, Right. you know. Because you want that moment, you want that moment where people like they're having today, where they get to experience everything fresh. And if you put something, it's really easy to say, oh, don't watch the spoilers. But actually, if you post something that is going to happen in Game of Thrones, you know, I will click on that link. I will instantly regret it. (laughs) Yeah, I will click on it, you know. And so we just didn't want that happening for people. It felt I was most annoyed for people who had waited three years for the game and just before it came out they were having so much of their experience you know those first impressions those first moments just a little bit like a little bit spoiled Mm -hmm. but it's not it's you know it's painful and stuff but actually the reality is it's because people were excited about the game you know it's not that bad a complaint it's a pretty you know first world problem Mm -hmm. kind of thing so my last question was you know with a game that theoretically players could never finish is there ever a time when the creator is going to be finished or can can you (laughs) even imagine there coming a day when you say i'm done i'm not working on this anymore or is this going to be your life's work and you know you'll be working on it in a decade (laughs) i'm i'm really torn so I'm still in that phase where I can think about nothing but No Man's Sky, but like I feel like we have so many ideas that would expand upon the game, mm-hmm. you know, that would take it in different directions that I'd love to see explored, you know. And I think that would be really meaningful and be really fun to do that. But obviously it would only make sense if people were enjoying the game and playing it and they wanted you know, they wanted those updates and stuff. You know, maybe one thing is annoying them or something, right? Maybe, you know, maybe you're like 
you come and complain to me that the uh, you're frustrated by the inventory or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then we do an update and you know, it resolves that. And it's like the, you know, things like that are how something like Minecraft or Don't Starve has gotten to where they are through that process, right? Where people say, we love doing this. We don't like doing that, you know, and it improves not for the people who play for five hours, but improves for the people who want to play for like 500 hours right. or whatever. And so I'm, I'm excited about that, you know, and actually it's weird because people will review the game now, but actually this, yes, we finished the game and we put it on a disc and then we did an update and that was finished. Mm-hmm. And like next month we'll probably do another major update and then that will be finished, you know, and in a weird way, the game is always finished, but it's always like, you know, never finished, you know? <laughs> right. And so it's like, it's interesting from that point of view. And it looks like people are going to enjoy the game. You know, certainly that's been our impression so far that people are enjoying it. And so for the first time, I can kind of go, right, wow, this might be something that we're doing now, you know, like I've always wanted to do it, but I've never been sure. Kind of like for the reasons you said, I've spent three years thinking like the hype is so much that like, you know, the game's going to come out and then everyone will want to kill me or whatever, you know. (laughs) So that excites me. That's like, I want to get and add more things and fix this bug that this person's seeing or whatever but also like just to give you a really long rambly answer there have been so many moments where i've been playing no man's sky as we've been developing it and i've flown down to a planet and that planet's just like generated right in front of me you know there's a whole entire planet right Mm -hmm. And I've just thought we could have this other game idea, you know, using this kind of tech. Or we could do, there's just so many things I can think that we could do when some of those constraints of making all the content are taken away from you, you know. Right. So I'm, that doesn't really answer your question. It's basically, I, I can really see myself doing No Man's Sky for a while. But I also feel this real draw of like, there are other game ideas, right? And there's like cool things we could do now, you know. Yeah. Well, thanks. Uh, congrats again on finishing the game for now and, uh, and, <laughs> and having it come out. And I appreciate the time and I will uh, make way for the next person. Yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot. Really good to chat to you, man.